Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, so today on The Less Stress Life, we have Nancy Smith. Nancy has a master's degree in higher education and in community counseling from the University of Dayton. She's a licensed professional counselor with over 11 years of private practice under her belt and has spent 20, over 20 years working as a counselor and coach. She's written three books on living happier and most notably, The Happier Approach, Be Kind to Yourself, Feel Happier, and Still Accomplish Your Goals. Love the title. Thanks for joining us, Nancy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So let's find out a little bit about your background. I'd like to hear, of course, tell us whatever you want about your background, but I'd like to hear (laughs) about if you're going to write a book called The Happier Approach, Be Kind to Yourself, Feel Happier and Still Accomplish Your Goals. I'd love to know where that came from, because it's not like you just wake up one day and say, I'm gonna write a book about this. But I bet you see an issue in the world and you say, you know what, people need this tool. So tell us about where that came from. Well, that is a, it's a good story, actually. Good. <laughs> it came from, for years, I worked with people on, uh, on inner critic stuff. I actually started out as a career counselor. And in career counseling, I would have clients that would go through all the personality assessments and, and do all the, the stuff to figure out what it is they want to do. And then they'd come back into my office like six months later after we'd figured it out. And they were like, let's go back through that assessment piece again. That was the part I really liked. That was fun. You know, getting to know myself was fun. But the actual work of putting myself out there in the world and going after what I want is is hard. And I'm struggling with that. And I realized that there was so much self-doubt and inner critic and shame that was happening. And so I really started working on dealing with the inner critic and did a lot of work on that. And I did a presentation and a friend of mine came up to me afterwards and said to me, oh my gosh, I, you know, that was a great presentation, loved it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I just need that inner critic or I won't get anything done. So great presentation, not going to implement anything you told me to implement. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, that's me too. Like here I am sharing with everyone about the dangers of the inner critic and going on and on about it, but I'm secretly being harassed by my inner critic all the freaking time. And so I felt I needed my inner critic too. 
so I was kind of struggling with that. Around the same time, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's with dementia, and I was spending a lot more time with him. And I realized he had this inner critic too. And it even to the day he died, he thought he was a failure. He could lit me off the stuff he had not accomplished that he wanted to accomplish and why he was, you know, a loser. And I thought to myself, this has to end. Like I'm, I, I'm doing this to myself. I watch my father do it to himself. I see it in my clients. So it really became a passion project for me, um, researching and figuring it out. And so that is where the idea came from that I realized so much of the inner critic, what's lacking in the inner critic work is addressing that idea that we think we need it mm-hmm. to get anything done. And that's why I wrote it. And so people have called the book, um, kind of a love letter to my dad, because even though he, you know, I dedicated the book to him and he's in the introduction, but it really is, um, his story and how to help people channeling what I learned somewhat from him. And everyone's got this. I mean, obviously that's the point here because even when I have like women's groups and we're talking about what's going on in life and whatnot, a lot of it revolves back to this inner critic piece. And I was recently at a personal development conference, heard these, a panel of successful women speak. One had started a beauty company, one had started a nutrition bar company, and one was like the CEO of the you know, Spanish equivalent of Good Morning America. And every one of them didn't feel like they deserved to be there, right? They all Mm -hmm, had that, mm -hmm. you know, they all had that like self set, like those self sabotaging feelings. Why me? Like, I don't deserve this or, or whatnot. So I mean, is there a is there a name for this? You call the inner voice uh, monger, but like, is that? (laughs) Where did that come from? Is there a word? Is there a word? Like, is inner critic? Technically, like, is that like a? Is that a, um, a term in the counseling world? Or not really? It's not real. I mean, that's that's the term I think most people are familiar with, inner critic or critical voice. But, you know, so many people over the years have called it from gremlin to inner bitch to the mean girl. Um, I start calling it a monger because a monger is something that spreads propaganda. And that is what I think the inner critic does. It's it's spreading propaganda to us. It's it's making us believe something that isn't true. And I always say the monger has three rules don't make a mistake, don't stand out, and don't be too vulnerable. And if you don't break those three rules, she won't attack you. But in order to do anything in life, you have to break those three rules. So that's kind of the catch-22 that she puts us in. I love it. Don't make a mistake. What was the second one? And then don't be vulnerable? Don't stand out. Don't stand out. Okay, got it. All right. So what does the inner critic say? How does someone know that their inner critic is talking and not just themselves? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, the inner critic, it, a lot of the stuff on the inner critic talks about uh, like calling it the inner bitch or calling it a mean girl. And I always like to make sure, you know, this is a voice that's a part of us. And so to, to demonize that voice just makes it that much harder. So it's not about shaming the voice or arguing with the voice. It's about noticing when the voice is talking. And for so many of us, that voice and our voice have become one person. So the people that say to me, I don't have this voice, I don't know what you're talking about, that's usually because they have just accepted the voice as truth. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to look at what their behaviors are, because a lot of times our behaviors can can t- let us notice that it's that it's the inner critic talking. So like behaviors- give me an example. 
like overeating, coming home at the end of the day. And, you know, I know when I come home at the end of the day and I have the TV going, I'm playing a game on my phone and I'm drinking a glass of wine and I'm getting ready to pour my second that maybe something else is going on than just um, regular stress, like that I have been hammered by my inner critic. Another one behavior that is a, is a ten, I call it a 10 10 reaction to a two situation. So we're feeling overwhelmed by our monger and she's telling us how, how much we're going to fail. And so we unload on our spouse because that's a safe place to, to put the anger. But really it's because this voice has been talking at us all day long. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like that you, uh, you had some, I, I saw you had some questions about this treat yourself mentality and how it actually stresses you out more. Talk to me. I think that's what you were going over right there. Like you were kind of alluding to is you come home. I had a hard day. I deserve a glass of wine. I deserve to sit here and just numb out and play this game. So how does that create more stress and issue? Is it because you're not dealing with the root problem, which is the inner critic or what's going on there? So yeah, that is what I, so a lot of times clients will come in and they'll be like, I, you know, I have this inner critic, but I'm practicing self-compassion. I'm practicing self-compassion. And Mm -hmm. that is in their mind, practicing self-compassion is having the third glass of wine or overeating or, you know, giving themselves in their indulging rather than engaging in self-care. So I actually have, there's three different voices in the happier approach that I talk about. One of them is this monger inner critic. And the other voice I call is the BFF. And the BFF is just like your high school BFF that justifies anything and totally lets let's go out and party and let's they're the jerk that broke up with you. It's all his fault. And so the BFF is nothing is your responsibility. Nothing is your fault. And everything you do is magically fabulous. And so it's like the other end of the spectrum of the inner critic. And so those two voices get going and and we that's where in my opinion that's where anxiety comes from. Mm. So a great example of this would be you decide you want to get up in the morning and you want to work out. It's a new routine for you. So the alarm goes off and your monger, your inner critic starts yapping and says you will never do this. You're so lazy. Get your butt out of bed. We we got to get in shape. This is going to take forever. Oh my gosh, you're such a loser. And then the BFF is like, ah, just, you know, we can do it tomorrow. Like you, you worked hard yesterday. Let's, let's, let's turn the alarm off. And so a half an hour goes by and all you've done is lay in bed and fight these two voices. You haven't gotten any more sleep. You haven't gotten up to work out. You've just been paralyzed by the two voices going back and forth and arguing in your head. I'm stifling my giggle because my BFF this morning was like, you didn't get enough sleep yet. You need to have more sleep. So sit here with your eye half open until the snooze button goes off. <laughs> Eventually made it because it's a beautiful day out and whatever. But um, it's kind of funny. And one of my goals is like always jump out of bed with energy. And it, that can ebb and wane with all the other things going on in your life, right? Like when did you go to bed? All those other things. But it's kind of funny because I was yes. thinking in your head. Like, I mean, of course, I think there's a checkpoint of like, what are the obvious things? Are you able to get out of bed? Right. And the first, like, is right. there some other thing? And then of course, <laughs> of course, these voices are super important. So it's funny because this, you're describing the people in our head, which is comical. It's uh, it is a bit like the movie. What's the movie where it's a little, the feelings inside your head, inside out. Oh, inside out. Yeah. yeah. It's like the inside out for grownups. <laughs> kind of. Yes, it is very similar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so 
to recap, you know, treating yourself, it's like the two conversations talking to each other and then basically end up with self-sabotage. And I love what you said. Like, you didn't get any farther from laying there with your eyes half open <laughs> and having a right. conversation inside your head. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And then you didn't reach your goal, which was annoying. And then you kind of beat yourself up again. I get it. Okay. So... What you, in the book, you use a three-step process called ask to reduce these unwanted stresses. Can you tell me a little bit about that process? Yes. So the third character in the book is called the biggest fan. And the biggest fan is the, is the goal. The goal is to get in contact with the biggest fan. And that's what this three-step process helps us do because the biggest fan can motivate us with kindness. So she has the traits of both the, the monger inner critic and the BFF, but in a, in a positive way. So the first step in ask is to acknowledge what you're feeling. And yeah, I always say, I think I went to be a therapist because I wanted to figure out how to think myself out of my feelings. And so this, I was really bummed (laughs) when this was, when research showed that this is what really helped was acknowledging your feelings. And it, I am amazed every day when I practice it, how much it helps me to to really stop and think, what am I feeling? And I, in the book, I provide a list of feelings that every one of my clients gets tired of me throwing in their face when they come in. I'm like, what are you feeling? You know, mm. because it so often my clients will just say, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling anxious. And I will sometimes say to them, anxiety is really not a feeling. It's a state that you're in. Let's figure out what's under that state. And so what I like about having the reason to acknowledge what you're feeling is first is because it is kind of it's more of a mental exercise because a lot of times when you are being attacked by your monger and you are in a full on anxiety, spinning, ruminating, worrying state and everyone says, oh, you're supposed to slow down or take a breath. That is the absolute last thing you want to do. Like you would rather claw your eyes out than than stop spinning and ruminating. So acknowledging what you're feeling puts a pause in the ruminating and lets you do the mental exercise of figuring out what am I feeling? So it kind of breaks the anxiety trance a little bit, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is S, slow down and get into your body. So again, this is that idea of taking a breath. I like to do something on this step that is a full body movement, whether that's wiggling or dancing or touching your toes or reaching up for the sky, something that gets your whole body moving more than just taking a breath. Because even though breath work is amazing and we need to be doing breath work in this situation, we need to be aware that we have a body and a lot of times by moving your whole body, you're like, oh, yeah, look, there's this whole world out there that isn't just this thought in my head that's bouncing back and forth. It's actually, you know, I have a body here. And then the last step is K, kindly pull back to see the big picture. And so this allows you to pull back because our monger and our BFF keep us stuck in black and white thinking. There's a right way and a wrong way. You're a good person or a bad person. And kindly pulling back to see the big picture, I can look at what might be some other options out there. And that can pull me back out of the anxiety to say, oh, there's other ways of looking at this. It isn't just 
that person didn't talk to me at the party, therefore they think I'm a loser. There's other examples of why that might be happening. Right. Okay. Got it. So acknowledge what you're feeling because you can't think yourself out of feelings. Slow down and get into your body. It's more than taking breaths. Movement changes your mind. I think this is important because I saw kind of a good comparison recently on what you should never tell a person with anxiety. Like, tell, don't tell them to like stop and breathe or something because it doesn't like their mind is racing. Can you explain what's going on in anxiety? Like what is anxiety? How does it feel? And then I'll finish up like with my summary there. But I just I feel like that's a good interjection there on why that's so important. Yeah, so anxiety, the anxiety feels is a the difference between not that this was your question, but a lot of things people will be like, oh, you're just stressed. Mm -hmm. It's not anxiety. But the difference between anxiety and stress is anxiety can come out of nowhere. So I could be having a really great day. And then all of a sudden, I'm spinning on something bizarre. And usually it's anxiety is always an internal process. So stress comes from something external, I can say this is why I'm so stressed I had a deadline at work. Whereas anxiety just pops up. Sometimes it pops up because of a stress. But a lot of times it pops up um, just out of nowhere. And so anxiety is manifest physically. It can be come on through headaches. It can come on. It's that nauseous feeling in your pit of your stomach. It is unable to control your thoughts. They're just spinning, spinning, spinning. It, it um, kind of feels like you're like stuck in a straitjacket and you can't get out. Like there's it, So it's so hard to expand your mind to see other options. Um and it's that ruminating, obsessing uh, of, of thoughts that sometimes can lead to panic attacks or anxiety attacks, but not always. So a lot of my clients that come see me do not have, they don't get into the panic attack, anxiety attack, obsessive compulsive world, but they still have insomnia, waking up at four o'clock in the morning, obsessing about things, um, type A personality, super controlling, that kind of personality trait mm -hmm. is that high functioning anxiety versus different like is there different classes of this there is i have created different classes of this mm. um high functioning anxiety is taking on um it's not a it's not a dsm diagnosis but it is getting more play out there in the world i think because so many people i feel like so many people have a bias against anxiety or against getting any mental health treatment, period. And right now, because the world is so stressed out, everyone's like, oh, it's just anxiety. That's just the price of doing business today in 2019. And I, it isn't, it isn't. And even if you're high functioning and you're getting a lot done and you are still secretly miserable because you're obsessing all the time about, did I do it right? And what about that conversation? And that person didn't text me back. That's anxiety. And so just because you are functioning well in the world does not mean that you aren't having problems that need to be addressed. Love it. Love it. Cool. That was good to like hear that because I hear personalities of people I know. I hear you know, how I react to certain things. And so when you talk about internal versus external, so anxiety, I'll just summarize anxiety coming from internal processes. Sometimes it's that feeling in your stomach, but it pops out of nowhere. Um, how do you feel about anxiety that kind of presents out of nowhere later in life? How do you feel about finding that trigger? Do you try to find like a life event? Because if we're saying it's an internal trigger, like how does that just suddenly manifest, do you think? And maybe there's no answer to that question. I there's not a, I mean, I think like even, so here's an example of, of a client I had recently who had a sudden death in his family. His, one of his family members suddenly had 
got diagnosed with cancer and within three weeks was was gone. And he, at you know, three weeks later, out of nowhere, starts becoming, he's kind of a hypochondriac and he's obsessing that something's wrong with his leg and he gets all this anxiety around it. And, you know, we linked, oh, it was because of, you know, your relative and you're obsessing about it. But it was, the link doesn't matter. I mean, it was great to have the piece of, oh, maybe that's it. But it really was, what are you feeling in the moment when this is happening? And he was feeling out of control and he was feeling lost and he was at work and was was worried you know that he wasn't going to get a promotion at work. And so there were a lot of things happening, but it was manifesting in this physical hypochondria because that was the most recent little T trauma he had had in his life. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, okay. So we were talking about anxiety, stress being an external process. And then let me go back. Let me weave back around to the ask process. So acknowledging what you're feeling, slowing down and getting into your body more than just taking a breath. Like if you move, cause it'll distract you, I think. And then K is calmly pull yourself back and see the big picture. You're not just this black and white back, bad or good or bad voice. It's like the analytical person, like the reasonable voice, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Got it. So let's talk about some other triggers because, um, something that I think happens, we were just talking about stress being kind of an external process, but some people really are like, if you watch, I I don't even watch the news because it's not, it's, it doesn't fill my cup with good things. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what, but the same thing happens on social media too, depending on our consumption of it and how careful we are and what we're filtering. So how do you, what do you suggest for people? How do you um, recommend that they overcome uh, like the news or social social media stressing them out? Well, the um, you know the the problem with the the challenge for a while, and I think it's is people were like, oh, I got to keep watching the news because I need to know what's going on because so many bad things are going on. And if I don't walk watch the news, then I'm not woke enough in the world. And that idea of I'm just going to spin out and watch the news and talk to all my friends about the news and obsess about the news, but I'm not going to make any action. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to do is just talk about it is just spinning you out for no reason. So I have made, you know, I make, tell my clients and, and I do it with myself that I need to be pick an issue that I'm worried about it. That's in the news. And I need to be volunteering for that. I need to be taking an action against something that I think is upsetting in the world. And, easiest to do that. And the most rewarding way to do that is to do that locally. So something you can do when you're working with others and you're, you're seeing an actual difference because in watching the news, everything is a catastrophe. But when we get out there in the world and we interact with people, we can see, Oh, you know, the world isn't falling apart. We are humans that have good traits and bad traits. So I think that's an important piece of the news is to, and to also recognize that, you know, there was, the, they're having the big thing about there's um, all these deaths in, in the Dominican Republic and all these people are spontaneously dying. And there has been no more deaths in the Dominican Republic than any other year. They're just reporting on it this year. And so to keep that in mind, that the news is just whatever is going to have the play, it isn't necessarily what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say about the news. As far as social media, one of the problems with social media is it is a way that we escape. So we get in the habit of spinning through social media as a way to escape our anxiety or escape our lives. And it just 
you know, tunes up the anxiety that much more because we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're, you know, getting stuck in, in self-doubt and perfectionism. And so to recognize with social media, like you said, to curate your content, you don't have to be friends with every person you went to high school with. You don't have to, you know, if you're, whatever you're doing in your business, you don't have to be friends with all the movers and shakers. Just curate who, what, you know, really paying attention to what posts make you feel good and what posts don't. You know, my Instagram is filled with dog people that I follow that have absolutely nothing to do with my career, but I just, they just makes me happy to get on there and, and follow them. So that's a, the positive way of using something that, you know, it's a positive way to distract me. Yeah. That's me and woodworking. Like if I'm just totally over talking about health, I'm just over here looking at woodworking and tables. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and washing and laundry rooms and other things. Um, Fun, fun, fun. Um, I had a comment about that. I'm going to come back to wherever it was. I'm not sure where I put it. Oh, no, there it is. Uh, I was writing as you were talking. And recently, I was listening to something Mel Robbins was doing. And she and the person she was coaching was saying, I have this procrastination problem. And long story short, uh, she I believe what what came out of that was that procrastination is a form of stress relief. So when yes. you sit down and you're kind of numbing out on social media, you're procrastinating doing something because it's relieving the stress of that you're worried about doing this other thing, basically. And so once you recognize that, you could take action and change it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Cool. And that's where then I would go back to what am I feeling about this thing that I'm procrastinating on? Mm -hmm. And so I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling unsure. Okay, well, how do I deal with that? What do I need to move past this other than spinning out on social media? Yeah, cool. So as people work through these things, right, we make progress. I always think kind of a, as I reflect back on life, I'm like, oh, yeah, incremental progress, like in this, this or this area. And I think, though, in life, like we're never necessarily done with several things. Like we can always make progress to something, but you're never done working on being happier necessarily because there's always going to be things coming at you that you need to like unexpectedly at some point or another that you need to deal with. And you recently had that experience yourself. Can you tell us about that? You had a recent diagnosis and you kind of like, it's like you started the process all over again that you thought you had mastered. Yeah. So um, I recently got diagnosed with a form of arthritis and we're still trying to figure out the meds and going through the whole process of changing my diet, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it has totally, you know, spurred up my anxiety that I thought I had, you know, knew the coping skills around and knew how to handle it because now I have all these limitations. And and I am a big power through, soldier on, suck it up, you know, you can always get past your limitations person. That is one reason, you know, that's why my, my inner critic is so freaking loud. She's always pushing me to get past. And so it's kind of like, it's been fascinating doing the work that I do and having this diagnosis because I've come face to face with, I can only do so much. And it doesn't matter how much my monger pushes me. I, you know, my, my body is like, and we're stopping, you know? And so that point of acceptance and being kind to myself, I'm learning it on a whole different level because I can't push myself through it. And I have to just be kind and give myself acceptance. So I call it um, spiraling up. Mm 
and it's, you know, you learn the same lesson, but you're a little bit higher up on the spiral. And that's what this feels like for me. And it has been very challenging and discouraging and all those, you know, all those bad things. I'm not going to sit here and be like, and it's been great. Learning the lesson again has been fabulous because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm still in process doing it. And um, it's been very hard, but it, it is comforting to recognize this is a pattern of mine. This is one thing I do. So I need, I'm just learning it again, instead of being like, I thought we had this, what's the problem? Come on. I can be way more kind to myself now. Right. I love it. Nancy, if you could leave, I think that there's probably a lot of people that would say, oh, I felt like she was reading my mind there. (laughs) So if someone (laughs) feels like you're, if that you're speaking right to them, what would be your gut reaction? Like, what's your takeaway advice if someone's listening today and, you know, and you want to leave them with a message? My biggest message is that is really when you're, you know, when you're spinning out or when you're, you know, obsessing and you're feeling really alone, if you could just find something to be kind to yourself about, not something um, pithy, but really to be like, okay, how would I, I always say, how would I talk to my eight-year-old niece? What would I be telling her about moving through this process? Because my niece is someone that I love so much. And I'm not her parent. So it's a different relationship. And I can be really kind and gentle to her. How can I be kind and gentle to myself? Yeah, totally. Uh, Nancy, where can people find you online? They can find me. I'm my website is live happier.com. And I hang out on Instagram. So it's Nancy Jane underscore live happier. Cool. And your book is on Amazon, right? Yes, it's called the happier approach. Cool. We'll link it up in the show notes, and I think I'm going to go send out some gifts of it. I enjoyed our (laughs) chat today. I look forward to reading it myself. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 